Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Dr. Travis Ziegler, a recovering optometrist turned e-commerce entrepreneur. Through his new venture, Profitable Pineapple, which specializes in Amazon PPC, Dr. Travis and his team help businesses scale their Amazon sales and help increase brand clout. On this episode, Dr. Travis and I talk about his journey from optometry to e-commerce, the different ways that entrepreneurs entrepreneurs can grow their audience, his key secrets to selling on Amazon and scaling to success, and much more. Here's our interview now. Travis, welcome to the show. Alex, thanks for having me on. Very happy to have you. So first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your company, Profitable Pineapple Ads? Yeah, so we're an agency that helps you create a moat around your Amazon business and your Amazon listings. And what this moat then creates is loyal fans and actually creates more Shopify orders as a result. And what we do is we focus on Amazon advertising with pay-per-click, which is the typical Amazon ads agency. But we also do DSP, demand-side platform, Google ads, and we do Google ads direct to your Shopify store, your blog, and then that blog takes them over to Amazon to buy. But in the end, we just like to help great people do good shit. And that's kind of the tagline we live by. We like to work with brands that are here to try to uplift the world. And then we help them by creating that moat around their Amazon business. That's cool. And I, I like the imagery and, and metaphor of a moat because on, on your website for Profitable Pineapple is that you're building this castle, right? And so you guys are helping build that moat. Before we kind of go a little deeper to our entrepreneurs listening, maybe even myself, could you explain what uh, specifically Amazon PPC is because that's you know probably going to be a, a decent bulk of our conversation today as well. So yeah, Amazon PPC is just Amazon pay-per-click. So just like Google ads has their own platform for advertising, they have their own pay-per-click platform, remarketing platform, display advertising. Facebook has their own. TikTok has their own. Amazon has one of the biggest in the world as well. And it's just simply search advertising. So you go on Amazon, you search for eyelid wipes. I'm an eye doctor, so we're going to use a lot of eye examples here. You search for eyelid wipes. I want my product to show up at the top if I sell eyelid wipes. And I want people to click on that ad and then go buy my product for eyelid wipes. So that's your typical search advertising. They also have display advertising where you can show up all over other people's listings. Then they have brand advertising, which is big banner ads at the top of search so if you're ever searching on Amazon, you type in eyelid wipes, you see a big banner ad versus just like a typical product page listing. That's a, a banner or a brand advertisement. And then when you go beyond that, there's another platform they have called Amazon demand side platform. And this is most closely related to like Google remarketing or Google display advertising. And so you can do that on Amazon as well. It's a separate platform. You have to either spend $35,000 a month going straight through Amazon to do that, or you can find an agency like ours and you can start as low as $5,000 a month. And this is directly on advertising spend. And then you'll show up on and off Amazon. And so you'll show up on places like CNN or Yahoo or ESPN or wherever they decide to follow your customer around. So if you've ever been on Amazon, you look at a product and then that product follows you around the internet, that's display advertising. The final step that we do is Google ads. And so Google ads, they search for the term eyelid wipes on Google ads. We try to get them over to our Amazon listing to buy because Amazon loves that external traffic. That external traffic will increase your keyword rankings, which shows you up higher in organic search results 
which then gets you more sales. No, that's a really well thought out answer. And part of me, I feel like knows some of how these products follow me around, but I really appreciate the way that you break it down and make it digestible because it's not just assumptions in my head, but it's also not just zeros and ones that I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me. And we were talking before the show about your story, and I want to kind of give you the floor to tell your story about how you went from being a doctor, being an optometrist, and how you became an entrepreneur. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to give you the floor to do that. And then we can pile on some some questions and some topics on top of that. Yeah, perfect. So feel free to stop me at any time during this. So I am an agency owner now, and we help other people now. But that's not how I started. This kind of came about organically, like pretty much every agency that's out there doesn't really happen because somebody sits down and says, hmm, I want to start an agency. It's usually actually an organic process that people keep coming to them for an expertise. And then it just kind of evolves into this agency. And that's very common in the agency world. When you talk to, I'm in a mastermind with 20 to 30 different agencies, and it's always that same story. People kept coming to me for this. So I created an agency around it because the opportunity was so great. But going back to my origin story, I actually graduated from the Ohio State College of Optometry in 2010. And right after graduation, my wife is also an eye doctor and she graduated in 2011. We came out of school and started working for my uncle. And we had Dr. Ziegler, 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 and Ziegler at this practice. We had four of us. I just felt like something was missing. My goal was to make a hundred thousand a year. I hit that in year two, but I was working 70 hours a week. So it was like, is this really what it's all about? Like working my ass off and making a hundred thousand dollars, but having no time to actually spend doing it or doing anything that I liked. And I felt this itch to do more started happening about two years into my career. It took us two years to finally take action on it. So we were living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, working for my uncle. And we did what you're not supposed to do. The three things you're not supposed to do, we did it all at once. We quit our jobs. We moved across the country from Ohio to South Carolina. And then we started two businesses. We started two practices of our own, one a private practice and one inside a Walmart vision center. And my wife and I would just kind of split the load. So I'd be at one, she'd be at the other. And we'd, we'd switch. I finally became an entrepreneur at that point. And when I was telling my uncle goodbye, pretty much, he's like, you're an entrepreneur you're, you're, you think like an entrepreneur, you're going to be just fine. And I had no idea what that meant. I do now, but at that time, this was the end of 2014. I had no idea what that meant. So we moved down there, started two practices. The problem is when you start a practice, you don't see a lot of patients because you have to get customers like any other business. So I went from seeing six patients an hour at my established uncle's practice. That's been around for 50, 73 years now. So it's wow. a really established practice. He bought it from somebody that was really big practice as well. I went from seeing six patients an hour to one. And so I was extremely bored. And a course came across my inbox called Amazing Selling Machine or ASM for short. And I took that course. It taught us how to sell on Amazon. And we created a sunglass brand. And in that first year of running our two practices, we did about, I think, around 350000 in our practices. And we started this sunglass brand and we sold about $86,000 worth. So we're like, there's some traction to this online thing. And so the following year in 2016, after a full year of doing all this, we hit 1.2 million online and 400,000 in our brick and mortar. So we're like, okay, wait, we just grew from 86,000 to 1.2 million in less than a year online, but our brick and mortar went from 300 to like 400. And so we're like, okay, something has to change. The following year, we did 2.5 million in our brand, our sunglass brand. 
and we went from 400 to 500. So incremental linear gains in our practice and this exponential curve online. So we knew we had to do something. So we decided to sell our practices and go all in online. We ended up building I Love was the name of the brand. We pivoted in 2017 from a sunglass brand to a dry eye brand. And all we did was we focused on service. In our practice, we were seeing dry eye patients like crazy. We saw a lot of diabetics, a lot of elderly. So a lot of dry eye comes with that. And so we were treating dry eye constantly in our practice. And we started an online space, a Facebook group. You can still go find it today, Dry Eye Syndrome Support Community. All we did was serve. We just went live and just took questions and answered questions live for like all the people in the group. And dry eye, if you don't have it, that's great. If you do have it, you know how miserable it can be. And so we were creating value for this group without anything in return. We didn't have a dry eye company at this point. And we didn't even know what product we wanted to come out with. And we were selling products on our shelf in our practice. And I was at a conference one day and there's a doctor up on stage getting just drilled by this panel of experts. And he's selling all these other people's products. And somebody just looks at him and goes, why are you selling other people's products? You're the expert, make your own. And it was just like this light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, I'm selling all these other products for dry eye. Why don't I just make a dry eye brand and make every single one of these products on the shelf my own? So I didn't know which one to come out with first. And we were selling this one product. We sold about 10 of them a day to our, our to our patients. And one of my patients came to me one day and she's like, this bottle you sold me for $30 is now $300 a month. They just increased the price 10x without giving warning to their patients. She's like, you're an entrepreneur, fix this. That's a lot to put on your shoulders, man. We had talked a lot because with dry eye, you have a lot of follow-ups. And so we got to know each other really well. And she knew how my brain works. She knew I was an entrepreneur. She's like, you fix this. So the next couple of days, I was just looking for a manufacturer of this product. Got on the phone three days later, was in manufacturing within a week. This guy had never done private label before, but he's like, yeah, I think we could do some big things with this. When we released that product a couple months later, we got it up to about 150 sales a day, incredibly quick. And the reason was, is because people were buying our competitor and it was now $300 a month. So what we did is we targeted our competitor with all advertisement and ours was $15 a month. So significantly decreased in price. It's now $25 a month, but significant decrease in price. And all we did was target our competitor and just got to 150, 100 100 to 200 sales a day very quickly. And that's like, that's how we started our dry eye brand that scaled to over $3 million within like a year and a half, because we just kept coming out more and more products as a result of people coming to us. The people that we were serving in that group kept building that that group kept building. Our email list was building. We came out with a free dry eye bootcamp challenge, which was healthy, natural lifestyle changes to heal your dry eye. And then we were like, by the way, we have these products. And they were natural ways to help with your dry eye. Every product we came out with was a result of listening to our clients and them telling us what to come out with next. And so when we kept doing that, we'd get from zero to 50, zero to hundred sales like that. It was quick because we listened to our customer. They told us what to come out with. They told us what they were using else, what else they were using in their bathroom, essentially. So I'm washing my face. I'm putting eye cream on. I'm putting hypochlorous acid on. That was our main product. Eyelid wipes, et cetera. And we just kept coming out with that and the things that we sold on the shelf. And that's how we scaled this company. And other doctors started seeing us in the space, growing this online presence. So Profitable Pineapple was born as a result of, first of all, I was working with a bunch of agencies and they were terrible. They just blew through my budgets. They didn't know what they were doing. 
I felt like I was working with an account manager that was just hired and it was just like, this doesn't work. So I'm going to create my own agency. I just wanted to ask you real quick, Travis, if it felt impersonal is kind of what I'm hearing you say is that you were just another number on the ledger a little bit. Exactly. And another number on the ledger felt impersonal. They didn't listen to my budget and they just kind of did their own thing. And I did that with multiple agencies. One of my good friends had started an agency. I went to his agency as my last, the last one. And I was like, okay, if he can't figure it out, figure it out, then I'm doing it on my own. And that's how Profitable Pineapple was born. Um, we were very small for the first year or two. And then we were like, maybe we should take this seriously. And so now we've grown. We're a team of about 17 now, but we do not lose sight of that touch that like that personable, I don't know what I'm trying to say is we are all US-based. If you you have an account manager, it's a US-based account manager. They are usually entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. And so they are building their own brand that is not in conflict with any brands that we manage. And so they're building their own brand. They understand what to do with Amazon PPC. And then they have clients on the, on the side as well. So their full-time job is working for Profitable Pineapple, but their part-time job is building their brand. And then they're learning the skills because they're learning what we teach to build their own brand as well. And I always tell them, I'm training you to leave me one day, but I hope you're having so much fun that you never leave. And so that's kind of the goal. So during this time, we're growing the dry eye brand. We're just starting the profitable pineapple brand. And then we grow the dry eye brand and we make the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. When that happened, people start reaching out to you to buy you. We were not for sale, but I would email them back with the exact thing that I wanted. And everybody laughed because the valuation was absurd. And we wanted to stay on. We wanted stock options in the company moving forward. We wanted all this stuff. And then finally, somebody said yes. And I was like, huh, we got exactly what we wanted. And somebody finally said yes. And so we ended up selling to them. We stayed on for another two years. We actually just ended our time with them not too long ago at the time of this recording. And now I am full-time with Profitable Pineapple. I still own equity in my old brand and still watching them grow it. Yeah, life is good right now. So that is my story in a not so short nutshell, but still there's a lot of details that we can unpack throughout the journey. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you sharing it with me. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I got excited because I didn't know that you sold that brand. In my research, I didn't I didn't see anything about you selling. I want to say it's called I Love. Is that accurate? You got it. And it's not the letter I, but E-Y-E. E-Y-E. Yeah, I, I didn't know you sold that. So that's exciting. I mean, I, I bet you're on cloud nine right now. Well, we sold two years ago. So cloud nine is way past, but we Even just better. got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to start with something that is important to me personally. And it's something that you mentioned early in your story that I think is extremely valuable, but it's kind of tough from an entrepreneur's perspective. And that is the means of service and the importance of service. And it started like that was really the beginning of your journey was to just kind of help people. And, and even when you started founding I Love, it was as a means to just help people and the same with Profitable Pineapple. So I'm I'm curious if you feel that that is just as much of a, a, a strength as it is a weakness, because I know as an entrepreneur and as other entrepreneurs might say, the ability to want to serve can be financially a loss sometimes, you know, where, where, where we're building rapport and want to network and, and help people so much that I'm willing to give people like price breaks when I'm freelancing or something like that. So I'm I'm curious what your thoughts on that are. I was recently on Entrepreneurs on Fire, and one of the first questions he asks is like, "What is the uh, something that a lot of people think is wrong 
that you think is right or something like that. I forget the exact phrase of the question, but I said, people think that the more you serve, the less you'll profit, but the exact opposite is true. The more you serve your client, the more you're going to profit in the long run. And it is a long-term game. The problem with entrepreneurs is they think that this game is short and quick. And if you go back 20 years to when everything was brick and mortar and like hard to like build business and build word of mouth referrals, that's, it was a long-term game. It wasn't something like I'm trying to get to a million dollars in 12 months. Yes. I did that in two businesses. That does, that is not typical, but I did it in two businesses based on serving and I served my fellow client. And the thing is when you serve more and you have a great product, word of mouth takes the rest. So if you feel like you're constantly going uphill and constantly battling uphill, uphill, uphill all the time for your business, the reason is, is because you have something working against you and it's usually negative word of mouth. If you have positive word of mouth and you have a product that's so superior that people want to share it and that they will share it, then you will hit momentum and it's easy. And the easiest way to get that is to serve, to completely give, 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 and keep giving until they ask. Now, can you ask for the sale in there? Yeah. Do it like two to 10% of the time. But for the most part, completely just keep giving. As long as you keep giving value, you're going to be, you're going to appear as the expert in the space and people are going to come to you. People are going to share your information and they're going to, they're going to openly share it because it is so good. Now we do this two ways. We have our YouTube channel, which we just give business advice. Of course, Amazon advice, mindset advice. We do so much on the business or on the YouTube channel. But our main lead magnet is an Amazon PPC masterclass. This Amazon PPC masterclass is better than anything paid out there. Anything. People charge five to $10,000 for their masterclasses. We give it away for free. And it is 100% better than anything paid out there. We have testimonials that people come to us. They're like, I went through your class. And within a month, I was saving $10,000. And it's powerful to get those testimonials because then they'll share it with their friends. And there's nothing mind blowing about our course, it's it's our strategy behind the course. Our strategy is focus on the 80-20 of everything you do in your business. What that means is 20% of your inputs create 80% of your results. You can apply that across your entire business and it will make your business easier so you spend less time in it. It will make your PPC easier, which is the focus of the course, because what we do is we focus on the 20% of products that is producing 80% of the results. We then focus on the 20% of search terms, uh, Amazon PPC term or advertising term in general. We focus on the 20% of search terms that create 80% of the results. When you do that, you go from a thousand products and a thousand campaigns to just 200. It simplifies the whole business model. And you as an entrepreneur have to ask yourself, what is the 20% of activities that you do in your business that create 80% of the results? And so mine in Profitable Pineapple is getting in front of other people's audiences, what we're doing right here, getting on stage to speak, getting on podcasts, getting on other YouTube channels, forming JV relationships with other agencies that are not competitors to, to pass clients back and forth, to introduce as referrals. So that is my 80-20. Also, when I tell my story more, we make more money. And so the more I tell my story, the more people come into my ecosystem because they relate to it in some way, then that usually gets them into our funnel which when they get into our funnel, it's give, 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 give. And it constantly gives more and more and more. And then finally, when we do that ask, 
come apply to work with us, come join our mastermind. Those are our two S is join our mastermind and come to work with us. That's it. I wanted to ask because I think you're touching on something really valuable and that is that piece of service. And, and a lot of companies and a lot of entrepreneurs want to do the same, right? And and they want to have this YouTube channel, blog, they want to give back. But I think there isn't that innate altruism to it. It's more of like, I need to brand. So I need to make I need to be a social media personality. I need to influence. I need to have a YouTube channel. Is that part of the disconnect when it just becomes a lot of noise out there? Is that lack of innate service or or is it more complicated than that? No, it's actually simpler than that. And people overcomplicate it. And that's the big difference is like, this is such a simple, building a business is simple. Create such a good product that people share it. Such a good product. Focus on that product, focus on making that product better, and then learn how to sell that product by serving, by giving it away, by doing whatever you need to do to get it in people's hands. Because when you do that and it's good, people share it. When it's great, people share it. And so if you focus on the product and making it so good, our free Amazon PPC masterclass, making it so good that people will share it, then you don't have to worry about advertising. You don't have to worry about that social media presence. You don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. And so our main strategy is the Amazon PPC masterclass. Once we get people into that, they're into our world and they see how much we serve and how much advice we can give them that we want them to say, wow, if this is the free stuff, what would happen if I paid for it? And then that's the value that we bring. And we're a bigger business now. So we have 17 people on our team, which means we can start branching off into trying to become an influencer, trying to go across all social media channels, trying to advertise across channels. So when you're getting started, Focus on making a product so good, give it away for free to about 10 to 20 people, get feedback and testimonials, and then those people ask them for a referral. Do you have three to five friends that you think might benefit from this? And then you can start selling them on that. But in the meantime, just keep giving. DM people, email people. A lot of people in this online space expect to build a million dollar business working two to three hours a day. And that's not the case. You need to work your daytime job, your your day job, make money to live, and then you need to go home at night and do another eight hours because you expect to build this million-dollar business while working 10 hours, 20 hours a week, and there's no way you're going to do that. If you want to build a million to $2 million business, it's a full-time job, and that's what you have to focus on. I hope that I go on lots of rants and tangents. So I hope that answered your question. No, I love it because one of your well thought out answers gives me another question immediately. I mean, for example, you mentioned that now you have 17 employees and in a short time, and it sounds to me like I could be mishearing you, Travis, that you're more willing to get a little more experimental and audacious with your strategies when you're at kind of the size and the amount of employees that you have versus you're clearly emphatic that if you have a good product, you give it to people, they'll talk about it. Good word of mouth right there. But now where you're at in your stage of your brand is experimentation and getting, I don't know, kind of funky with it a little, a little more fun? Is it something that you do? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. Another rant coming. So prepare. <laughs> now, so the first three years of the agency, we focused on Amazon PPC, building brands on Amazon. That was our whole goal. Amazon PPC, DSP, Google ads. That's it. 
forming that moat around businesses on Amazon. That is our primary goal through and through. That's all we focused on until we started getting a little bigger. I would say we still aren't quite big to the point where I wanted to branch off yet, but we did anyway. At the beginning of this year, so we do a SWOT analysis at the end of every year. It's not just me doing it. And a SWOT analysis for the listeners is strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And everybody on my team does it independent of each other. And then we bring all the answers together. And so we got a couple great opportunities that I was like, yes, let's try these. I saw this person kind of struggling in account management, didn't really do a great job, did a good job, but not a great job. I was like, what if we branch you out and make you CTO, chief technology officer? So we're building a software called Profitable Pineapple Express, and it's a software around inventory management, but it's not just another inventory management software. We're also building a team to do the analysis for you. So you get an email every week that says you need to order this SKU, this many units, and you need to ship this SKU to Amazon. So that's the service on top of a software. So now we have this inventory leg, independent of PPC. So I put an operator in place for the PPC, and that is their job is to scale that to $10 million over the next three years. That is their number one job. And that's all they focus on. And it gives me peace of mind to go branch off. Branch off number two is our mastermind and community. So I brought a person in, another person that was doing good at account management, not great. And we branched him off because we saw he was a really good storyteller and he could write emails well. He can relate to a community well, and he can he has fun doing that. So now he's the community manager, and he's helping me build this mastermind. So now we have two branches, inventory management and community, but we have the operator in place to do the PPC, DSP, and Google Ads. So I don't have to worry about that. But we also have an operator in the community. We have an operator in the inventory software. So I'm not doing any of the work. I'm leading them and holding them to KPIs, and they're doing the work. And then... We have a brand that we're starting. It's called the Hangry Nut. And one of the account managers, again, good account manager, not great because their heart wasn't in it. And so we branched him off. And now he is the CEO of that brand. I'm an advisor, an investor, and we're coming out with a brand around a healthy Nutella alternative. And so you don't want to, the problem with entrepreneurs is they try to do all these things themselves. And then it just spreads them thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And then they burn out. And then their main bread and butter service product, whatever it is, starts to to sink as a result of them spreading themselves thin. And you need to focus on that one bread and butter service, put an operator in place that you trust that can grow it, and then start focusing on other things, but always have somebody in place to lead all of these things to take them to the next level. I want to give one more example real quick. In I Love, my physical products brand, Amazon was the majority of our sales. We had built it up to a $3.8 million business. And everybody's like, you got to get off Amazon. You got to start focusing on Shopify. So what did we do? We focused the next year on Shopify. We ended up going from 3.8 million to 3.2 million. And our profit went to zero because we invested so much into Shopify. The problem is we took our eyes off the prize and what got us there in the first place and started focusing on a second prize, which is Shopify. And it just wasn't as profitable. We invested a lot. So the following year, we decided to to fire the whole Shopify team and go all in on Amazon again. So we went from 3.8 million, dropped to 3.2 million with zero profit. And then we got rid of the whole Shopify team, focused back on our bread and butter, Amazon, got back up to 4 million 
with a $600,000 EBITDA because we focused on what was working and we didn't spread our focus across all these platforms. And so focus on what's working, put somebody in place that can not just run it, but drive growth in it, and then start focusing on other areas that you can grow the agency or your physical products brand. I hope that all made sense. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that I hear there, Travis, is I think the inability for some entrepreneurs to delegate. I don't even think it's, I need to be involved in every piece of it. It's, I don't know how to make sure that someone else does it to my specifications, or I just want to do it because I know it'll get done in a specific way. It's not even like a a compulsion to have to do it myself. It's almost subconscious a lot of times. And that's because a lot of entrepreneurs, just by definition, were working by themselves at one point. In your practices, it sounds like we're you and your wife, and that's pretty much it. So I'm curious if that was like an innate skill of yours is is to delegate and and lead because I think most entrepreneurs, if not all of them are leaders, but some struggle with that delegation piece as much. So my question to you is, was that always an innate skill of yours? Or was that something that you had to develop? And how did you develop that? I think I'm lucky with the fact that I did become a doctor because as a doctor, I'm not answering the phones. I'm not doing all the pre-testing. I'm not giving the paperwork to the patient to fill out. When I go in to see the patient, most of the data is already there. I do a couple more tests that only doctors can do. And then I interpret the data. And as the CEO of your company, it's not your job to do customer service. It's not your job to ship out orders. It's not your job to order product and do inventory. It's not your job to run the ads. Your job is to get the data, interpret the data, figure out what to do next. And so as a doctor that was kind of ingrained in me, I wanted to just interpret the data. That's it. And so we talked about how I'm going on a mission trip this weekend to the Bahamas for 10 days. That is like the perfect example of what an entrepreneur should do because I'm at the very end of this assembly line. And by the time they get to me, they have absolutely everything done. All I do is look into their eye, make sure everything looks healthy. And if it doesn't, I send them to another area to get more disease treatment or send them to another area to look at glasses. So I am just interpreting all the data and figuring out what the next step is for them. And that's what you need to do with your business is get all the data. So we have a a measurables card that we look at weekly. If the data is off, who's going to fix it? If the KPI is not getting met, who's going to fix it? Who's ever responsible for that KPI? And so as you're expanding, you need to have those KPIs in place. So yeah, it was innate, but I will say it's also learned because right now I'm trying to, I have a big problem with seeing potential in people and I need to stop seeing potential in people and start just hiring the people that have already done it. So I'll hire somebody based on, yeah, I think this person could be really good at this job versus I should be doing, yeah, this person's done it. And so I need to hire them to get us to that next level. That's interesting because I feel like I've been both of those people at different points in my career in different fields. You know, there's definitely jobs where I don't know if I was the most experienced in that field, but I was hungrier than the person who would have been more experienced. And I think there's, there is some value in that, but I don't know. Different people solve different problems, you know, in, in, in your company. And just like any other company. So I, I think that's very fascinating. I'll go into one more point around that. I saw this firsthand when, when our company was bought, it was bought by a bigger company and they were a very corporate structure. A month and a half after we were purchased, they sold 50 some percent of the company 
to private equity. And this private equity firm is great at taking companies in that 50 to $100 million range to 250. And that's what they do in a five-year period. So they pretty much double the business in five years and then sell it. What private equity did right away when they came in, they got rid of the whole C-suite. They brought in their own CEO, CFO, COO, all the C-suite. They brought their own people in with people that have done it before. So I got to learn from the C-suite for a year on what they're doing to grow the brand, to double the brand in five years. And they're not saying like, how can we double it in a year? It's a long-term play, but they've done it before. And that's why they were brought in for this specific job is because they've done it multiple times in other companies. And now they're just, they're replicating what they've done in those other companies. They've done it before. And do you think that's something that maybe entrepreneurs have a misconception about, or, or maybe a an inability to think a little more long-term because it, it is go, go, go. I want to double my business in a year. If if I can double it in a year, then that means I can quadruple it in two years. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because you do network and you do talk with a lot of people and you, and you are very involved if that is a misconception on my part, or if you feel that entrepreneurs are trying to grow too fast, too quickly. Entrepreneurs are incredibly impatient and they, they don't think long-term enough. They don't think five to 10 years in the future. They think, how can I turn this business and flip it and sell it in three years to make money to go live on the beach in Thailand, which you're never going to do because you're going to be bored out of your mind because you're an entrepreneur. Another quick example to illustrate this point. I got an email just a couple of days ago from one of our clients and it was just like, hey, I'm a little concerned. I've, I've loved working with your team. You guys are doing great, but I'm a little concerned that our growth isn't what it should be. We thought with Prime Day being Prime Day was in July. We thought with Prime Day, this is going to be by far our best month ever and destroy every other month. So I look at the data and July of this year versus July of last year was up 20%. I would take that. That's a good growth. Yeah. Yeah. So then I looked at year to year, year to date. So January 1st of this year to July 31st of this year and compared it to the year prior up 50%. I was like, that's pretty good too. So then I looked at trailing 12 months up 120%. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't get it. He doesn't like, didn't feel like we're growing him. And every metric is up significantly. 120% year over year growth is pretty significant or 12, trailing 12 months growth year over year. They're complaining because they see that this month was only up 20% from last year. And so typical businesses grow 10% a year. That's very, very common, maybe 20%. But to expect 10%, 20% month over month over month over month, it can happen. But you're going to have to build a team quickly. You're going to have to come out with more products quickly. You're going to have to learn how to sell even better. And you're going to have to learn how to manage all this stuff. Zero to 1 million is incredibly easy because you can usually do it by yourself. One to 3 million gets a little more complex because you need to have the systems in place and have a couple more people. And then that 3 to 10 million is incredibly complex because then you have to find people that have done it before because most people haven't. And when you find those people that haven't done it or that have done it, that's when you can really take off to the next level. But things are going to change at each level. And what usually happens is that zero to one is just you, one to three is you and maybe a couple of friends that you trust, which is what I we're at right now, is that we have a bunch of friends. And um, I built this with my two best friends, by the way, that three to 10 is getting people in place that have done it before. And that usually involves getting rid of people on the team that went from zero to three. That's what you have to keep in mind 
throughout this whole process. I forget what the question was again, because I went on a tangent. No, I think I think it was a pretty, pretty good answer. I mean, it, it was essentially about how impatient entrepreneurs yes, can get. <laughs> so so you you definitely got there. I'm known to take the scenic route as, as well, Travis. Before we wrap up, I got a couple more questions. And one was something that I, I feel like was lightly hinted on, but I find really interesting. And that is um, working with a partner, specifically a life partner and in, in your wife. And and I'm curious if that's convenient or inconvenient. I mean, can you can you walk me through if you would recommend that or not recommend that to entrepreneurs? Loaded question. Do I recommend it? Well, we just started working together again because she wanted to get back into doing something. So I was like, hey, I've got a spot for you in the agency. And she took it. So she's learning a new job right now. So it's very stressful. That's very cool though. <laughs> so we're doing it. We're doing it again. We're riding again. Because we started another branch of our agency that we're helping nonprofits because nonprofits can get $120,000 in free advertising with Google ads. And so we're helping nonprofits get that and then running it for them using brand building strategies versus like nonprofit strategies, which don't exist. And if nonprofits actually treated themselves like brands, they would take off, but they don't. But anyway, back to the task at hand. It's tough right now because we're in this like learning phase of getting getting her onboarded and everything. And But I know she's going to do great in it. The key thing with this is you have to have specific roles. Like this is my role. This is your role. I was the CEO of iLove. She was the COO of iLove. She did all the operations. I did all the visionary stuff, product creation, advertising. That was like my role. Her role is inventory, logistics, working with 3PLs, making sure we're in stock, things like that. It caused our biggest argument ever in our entire marriage. We're married for 12 years. Our biggest argument was over stockouts. That product that we built from zero to 150 a day in like no time at all, we kept stocking out. And we got in this big argument right in front of my mother-in-law, her mother, on a mission trip in Jamaica. (laughs) Finally, I was just like, just double your order. And she did. And then we didn't stock out again, but it's nice because it's our life. We love doing it. We love this business. And so it was fun because we're, we're separate personalities. We're very different personalities. She's an operator. I'm a visionary. She's an integrator. And so we meshed well together where that can become troublesome is if you guys are both visionaries or you're both operators, because if you're both operators, the business isn't going to go anywhere because you're just constantly analyzing everything. If you're both visionaries, the business isn't going to go anywhere because you're both like pie in the sky. Let's do this, 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 but nobody does it. So nobody's actually doing it. So the reason it works so well for us is because we're opposite spectrums of a personality profile and we knew our roles and it went really well. And people are always like, don't you just talk about business all the time? We talk about business a lot because we love doing it. It's fun. It's fun for us. And why not do what you love doing? And why not talk about what you love doing? We also have two kids. And so that's a big part of it too, is we get to talk about our kids and play with our kids and that distracts us as well. And so the key is to have boundaries around it. So like 8.30 to four o'clock every day is our work time. After four o'clock, kids are home, time with kids, eight o'clock, they're in bed. Then we spend time together just one-on-one. And so, but during the day we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. So we get to see each other all the time. And we just, we just have boundaries around everything. We're different personality profiles. We know our roles in our business and that's how it works. Do I recommend it? Yes. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun to do life with my wife. Isn't that why you marry them in the first place is to do life with them. And we get to do every aspect of life. And when we were optometrists, we were, we were together very little because we'd go to separate offices and then reconvene at night for an hour or two. 
and then sleep and then go to separate offices in the morning. And so we didn't spend that much time together, which now we do. And we have the freedom to go wherever we want, whenever we want, because we can do anything we want from our laptop. That's very cool. So the very last question that I have for you is the same question that I have for everyone, Travis, and and you actually led into it really well. And that is in entrepreneurship and e-commerce industry as a whole, it's very go, go, go 24 seven. And I find it's important to have hobbies and interests to establish a good work-life harmony and good mental health, good stable mental health as well. Less stress-induced environment. What are some of the your hobbies and interests? You kind of gave me a little lay of the land already. What are some other fun things that you do with your free time to ensure that you have a stress-free work-life harmony? Yeah, so I love to read, but I read very differently than most entrepreneurs. I don't go for 52 books a year. I actually like read the same books over and over again to really master subjects. And so I'll read a book six times in a month to really master a subject. And if it's a good enough book that I'll read it six times in a month, then it will go on my yearly read list. And every January, I start reading these books over and over again to really master different subjects. So I love reading, but it's very different than most. It's not just to consume a bunch of content. It's actually just to master a bunch of content. And so it can be business related. It can be non-business related, but let's be honest, most of them are business related. I play the ukulele, which... If you're watching this video, you can, you can see it behind me. I'm terrible and I should be a lot better for how long I've been playing it, but I'm not. I mountain bike. I'm a big mountain biker. Um, I broke my wrist this year, so I haven't been able to trail ride at all or mountain bike. So it's been kind of sad. I've just been able to street ride, which is just miserable. I love being on the trails. It's one of those things that it's physically demanding, but it's also mentally demanding because you have to be constantly looking up to figure out what's coming next and to figure out how to maneuver around that. Because if you take one second off, you're on the ground and I've been on the ground a lot. So broken. It's a good metaphor for entrepreneurship, right? It's actually you just a very have to good be metaphor. Looking ahead just a little bit further. Yeah. Pickleball is another big one for me. I love playing pickleball. I was a big tennis player, but pickleball is just a lot more fun now. And then my wife and I do a lot of mission work. And so we do two to three mission trips a year where we take 10 days to go to third world countries. And at those third world countries, we give eye exams, glasses, sunglasses, surgeries, for people that need it. And so I don't know if you consider that a hobby, but yeah, traveling, traveling to third world countries. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So that's essentially my entire life. And I'm a big church goer. So I have church every Sunday, Wednesday, read the Bible every morning. I'm starting an entrepreneurs group called the Bible-based entrepreneurs, and it's going to be an offline meetup. And so it's going to be where we're going to meet at our house, break bread together and study the gospel. Very cool. Into a lot of cool stuff, man. Well, Travis, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate the time. You've given me a lot to think about and hopefully our listeners as well. Thanks for coming by, man. Thanks, Alex. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Travis Ziegler, for joining me on the show and come back on Thursday when I talk with Will Ford, president and co-founder of LaunchBoom, an online platform that empowers creators, founders, and entrepreneurs to launch successful Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns without all the headaches. For more information about Dr. Travis, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. To learn more about Profitable Pineapple, you can check out their website, ProfitablePineapple.com, or subscribe to their YouTube channel, at Profitable Pineapple. And to learn more about I Love, visit Visit their website, ilovethesun.com, spelled E-Y-E-L-O-V-E-T-H-E-S-U-N.com. And to donate to the I Love Cares Foundation, visit ilovecares.org, spelled E-Y-E-L-O-V-E-C-A-R-E-S.org. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until next time.